Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian's Untitled Scene Show. My name is Ian, and this is very cool. Another first for the show. I have been waiting to talk to this person for a pretty long time now, ever since I saw them live a while back. Please, everyone, welcome Jeremy Schaefer of Earth Groans. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Yo, 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 I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. No, man, I've been looking forward to doing something like this for a while now. You've been in the scene, you know, for, for quite a while, I guess. I don't know if it feels the same way to you, though. Probably too long at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. I was playing. I'm going to be that old guy that should have let go a long time ago, but just won't. I feel the same. Trust me. <laughs> no, man. I, I totally, totally get that. But before we get into everything music, because obviously you had Tongue Tied come out earlier in the month, I, I just want to ask in general, how are you doing today? What has your day been like? Uh, it's been good. Uh, we just got back from tour, what was that, like a day or two ago? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just trying to kind of get back into uh, the swing of things for work. It's always a, it's always a kind of a weird transition for me to go from like studio or uh, from tour life back in the studio life there's a big transition uh that I, that i have to make uh right. to get back into the grind i guess so two completely different lifestyles mm -hmm. but at the same time the same industry it's it's interesting yeah i i would imagine so and you guys have been i i know the goal of yours has been to tour a lot and it does seem like you know let's let's you know obviously push the pandemic aside but other than that you guys yeah. really like to get out there. I know you especially like to get out there. Has that continued that you really enjoy the tour life over the studio life? Or are they just positive and negatives of both? Um, I would say I do enjoy both lifestyles, but I definitely prefer uh, touring more than studio. Yeah. My body doesn't <laughs> because the older I get, the more my body hurts while I'm on tour. But I think that's just from being on stage and everything. Sure. But I do, I do really enjoy um, I do really enjoy touring, uh, and the touring lifestyle and, yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of nice to do both because, uh, like since I'm doing each, well, I probably do studio probably 60 and touring 40, okay. uh, percent. And, um, but I would really like to probably switch those numbers and do like touring 60% wow. and studio 40%. Um, just cause I really, really enjoy, but I do like, I do enjoy both. And then that way I don't get burnt out on each. So very true. That's nice. No, that's, that's very true. So you just got off tour, not only doing some headliners, but you were also out there with convictions. Who's been on the show multiple times as well. Big fan of those oh, guys. Cool. Yeah. What, yeah. what would you say, you know, taking all those dates, you know, together, did you have a favorite? Did, did any major part stand out for you? Um, no, I don't know if I really had a favorite date. Um, I mean, this tour in general, uh, was just all around a, a success for us. Good. And, um, you know, having the record come out while we're on tour is always cool. And just to see that people have already like listened to, um, the record, like, uh, like, you know, that's always really cool to see. Um, but I mean, we were out with, uh, we were also out with Wolves at the Gate. Yes. Also um, on the show. On this run <laughs> <laughs> oh, sick. Yeah. Great. Another great group of guys. Honestly, just getting to probably spend like having those dates with uh, Wolves at the Gate and Convictions, like mm -hmm. both are like both bands are like really uh, full of really great, amazing people. Yes. So it's always nice um, to be on the road with other people like 
Yeah, financially, we probably do a little better by ourselves because uh, like bands are or like the people that come to the show, they're just there to see us and they're just buying our merch and stuff like that. But there isn't quite as much camaraderie, I guess, ah, uh, sure. you know, when you have when you're out with other guys other bands uh it's just it's always so much fun just to get to hang out and um not only that but you get to learn from uh some of these guys that have been doing it you know longer than we have and are are successful and stuff so i really like i really do enjoy learning from other bands and seeing how other bands do things and stuff so um but yeah i don't know i i don't feel like i can say that there was one day that was my favorite um but I would say that the the four days that we were with Work of Wolves, uh, that stint of the tour was probably, or that leg of the tour mm-hmm. was probably my favorite. Oh, very cool. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but you know, you talk about learning from these bands. Can you think of something major for yourself? Just something that you've learned from the bands that you're going to take with you, whether it's for touring, whether it's for something in the studio. Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Um, I think writing... Uh, writing is always um a big thing just like how people like write and perform their like their sets live and stuff Mm -hmm. like that uh i'm you know very easily inspired by other bands when i see them on stage and um i think for me like the way that they set up their uh their set list i think that's really uh that's something that i've always really paid attention to you know um for dynamics and like where they like put samples and stuff like that and how they transition from song to song. I think that's probably where I learned the most um, from bands. Uh, I would say this tour specifically. Yeah. I think that's like just learning how like wolves and, and both convictions too, like how they transition their sets. Yeah. um, And like implementing some of those things kind of into our set. Uh, I think is always really cool. Yeah, that that totally makes sense, especially so you've got, you know, six EPs together. So you have plenty of material to work with, but then you've got so many different tempo changes. You've got different ways that you're breathing, I'm assuming, as well with the way you're screaming, all that kind of stuff. So now you get to kind of curate that set list based on not only being an opener band, but then also being a headliner. And I'm sure that would dictate, you know, like how you're choosing your songs, right? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot to think <laughs> think about. <laughs> Even for me, I'm thinking about that right now. But I would assume, at least for Tongue Tied, since that just came out, I'm guessing you're trying to focus a lot more on that. Now, when you're doing something like your headliner, were you able to play that like front to back? Is that something that you would actually do? Um, on this tour, we only we only played one song. We only played our single ah. live, Overgrown. Okay. That's the only one that we played on this tour, just because like when half the tour, the record wasn't out yet, and the other half, it was. Right. So, um, yeah, I was like, I didn't want to take on that much, you know, mm-hmm. going on to tour. Like, okay, well, I only like to play music that's already been out because I like people to be familiar with our music before hearing it. Sure. Because... Um, if they're hearing brand new music for the first time, sometimes it's like, especially our kind of music is like, it's a little chaotic and, Mm -hmm. um, you feel like you're just getting pummeled and (laughs) you don't know what's happening. (laughs) So if they're familiar with the me, I like, uh, people to be, well, have the opportunity to be familiar with the music before we play it. Mm -hmm. Um, just so it doesn't sound like a bunch of noise. Right. Right. I guess that, that definitely So so that being said, (laughs) that being said, I guess like, yeah, this so this tour we just played the one song live. Mm-hmm. Um next tour, 
Uh, I don't think we'll play the whole EP front to back, but we'll probably play more of the material um, on our next next tour. Yeah. So what are you doing in the studio now? Now that you're back, is it writing more music? Are you working with other artists? What's normally your studio time like? Yeah, some of each. So um, the studio thing, that's like my real job. Uh, That pays for me so that I can go on tour. Sure. Um, But yeah, so, uh, but I I do both. I, I mean, I, I right away when I got home, I, I plugged in the guitar and started jamming a little bit. Nice. Um, so yeah, I, I am writing for, I guess, whatever is next, which I don't know what that is yet, but so I am, uh, working on writing, but, um, I'm also, I have like three or four records that I was, uh, that I'm in the middle of. Ah. So I'm just ju- jumping back into that, uh, cleaning up, um, uh, kind of finishing up some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I tracked like two bands right before we left. Oh, okay. So I'm going to jump into those records and stuff like that. So yeah, so mostly mostly it's working on other artists' uh, records, but mm-hmm. also um, I'll be diving into writing once again. So how hard is it for you then after taking this break and really, I would assume, mostly focusing on Earth Groans, then to come back into this world of other people's music is there something that is is it easy for you to turn on and off where you're able to jump right in or do you need like a little bit of like weaning sessions to kind of get your mind right uh no it's pretty easy for me just to, to switch that you know to switch back to studio mode yeah i would say just like like i said earlier just transitioning like i do need like a day or two to like kind of decompress from studio from touring life back to studio mm-hmm. life but then once i'm back into studio life like it's just, it's normal. Um, so, so one of, one of the things I, I definitely want to hit on, and I'm sure it'll come up later on as well, but you were talking about like the camaraderie of touring with other mm-hmm. bands, but Earth Groans has actually gone through a lot of changes when it comes to members as well. Can you tell me the status yep. of the band as it pertains to who is still in the band? And then, you know, did you fill out people with touring members? Yeah. So Earth Groans has always been kind of a weird uh band um because <laughs> earth Grown started as just like a solo project of mine that i didn't plan on touring with mm-hmm. but then after writing our first ep renovate i was like you know what actually touring would be sick ah. so <laughs> uh so then i started finding members and i had kind of the same set members for a couple years um right. and then uh right before the pandemic couple members uh decided to do something else one member zach was he was like always half video and half um music and Uh. he like basically like was like well i need to do one thing 100 percent." and then when he quit another member uh kaden uh he was like well you know if he's quitting i might quit too and um and uh yeah so anyway so the present state (laughs) of earth groans is uh it's back to just me being the the sole writer and then um yeah and then i just hire like hired guns to come out with me to tour so it's obviously not like the usual Mm -hmm. like scenario for most bands um but uh yeah it it's working i guess for now so it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to market like a band like that because it's like well who's you know when you shoot a music video with, with people that's who people expect to see your fans expect to see on stage and when it's not they're like oh well who, who quit now and you know so it's a little weird but um you know it kind of works just for the sake of 
uh, people have lives going on and like we're in a small metalcore band, so we don't make a lot of money. So it's hard for me to pay out the members uh, super well. So if somebody has like we're if we're trying to tour as much as I want to be touring, um, sometimes it's hard for members to have enough money financially to cover bills and stuff like that. And or if we get, uh, you know, a cool tour offer that I really want to do, but the guitar player can't do it. It's like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, uh, hire a different guy for this tour so that we can still do the tour. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it is what it is. And like that's I don't know. It's been working for now. I don't know yep. if it'll stay this way, um, but it's the way it is currently. No, I, I totally get it. I actually I really prefer like I prefer seeing a touring member than hearing a backing track. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's. Sure. I think that's the biggest deal. I I would assume, and I know I'm a little different than a lot of the people in the scene, so I, I totally get that. But when I see live music, I want to see the instruments actually being played. I want to hear. Sure. Yeah, I want to hear the vocalist actually sing. Like I, I completely yeah. understand. Sometimes you have, you know, three guitarists and only two can go on tour, so you have a little bit yep. of a background. Totally get that. But in general. I like that idea of, you know, you're still putting money into the band. You're still trying to make it a full experience. That's the kind of thing I appreciate. Yeah, for sure. So, no, I I totally get it. And I did want to mention, so I believe I have seen you, I want to say back in 2019, 2018, somewhere around there. And then Mm -hmm. I also went to visit my parents who live in Pennsylvania and saw you on uh, Christmas Burns Red Night One this last year. Oh, okay. Year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was very cool to see how far the band has come, you know, since that, you know, relatively first time of when you guys signed a solid state and went out on the road. So it was it was great to see that whole concept, I guess, come together. How was that experience like for you guys? Um, it was amazing. It was definitely different than what I'm used to, being that like I mean, I grew up playing like basements and garages and stuff like that. Yeah. And we've played bigger venues, but like we've never played anything quite that big. So everything about it felt a little foreign to me, sure. but it was like a, an opportunity of a lifetime. And it was a really, really great, just great time all the way around. Yeah. But definitely a little different for me. Yeah. I, I'd imagine. So look, even for me, I mean, I, I hadn't been back to Lancaster for a while. So to see, I, I don't think I've ever seen that hall before. And I was mm-hmm. really surprised at how many people they're able to draw in during the holidays for a show like that. Yeah. So, and especially yeah. like showing up early because you guys were the first band on, there was still a significant amount of people. Like people weren't waiting just for the headliners to show up. They were there to right. enjoy themselves. So you had a very large crowd for that first set. Yeah. I think one of the hardest parts about that was the minute the doors open, we had um, like a line at our table, which is amazing. And, you know, I talked to people until we played and I walked. <laughs> Yeah. to the back back of the stage and i'm like oh my gosh my voice is tired i'm like i'm supposed to go up on stage and scream now you know <laughs> it's like uh my voice just like felt kind of like just fatigued from from talking so much and sure. i'm like oh okay i guess you know it makes sense why most bands at this level have a merch guy like i love being at the merch mm-hmm. table and i love getting to meet meet the people that are like you know investing in our band and supporting our band like i love that but 
if I had to do that every night where I talked for uh, an hour before going on stage, that would be uh, that would definitely be hard on me. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of a lot of bands I see now, if they do go to the merch table at all, which, you know, some don't, but but a lot do. When they do, it's always after the show, once they've tired right. out their voice on stage and then yeah. they go over. Yeah. <laughs> well now, yep. do you do you do any uh vocal exercises? Do you do anything to make sure that you can scream in the register that you're going to be screaming? Yeah. Yep. I do it pretty religiously. Um I do um the it's called the Zen of Screaming. Ah, Melissa Cross, yes. she's yeah, sure. she's you know, famous uh vocal coach, but she has like some warm ups that mm-hmm. um that I do pretty religiously. I also it's a rule for me, I have to drink a gallon of water a day ah. while I'm on tour because if, if I'm hydrated, um you know, the first thing to one of the first things to dehydrate is your vocal cords. Right. Um so I like to make sure that I'm well hydrated. And then I, of course, like stretch out my legs and uh, everything because I do like to run and jump around yeah. a lot on tour. So there is like a whole, you know, whole pregame work or not workout, but a whole pregame which ritual that I go through to make sure that I'm prepared um, before I go up on on stage. Because I want to be, I want to like, I want to be the best that I can be for yeah. the people that are at the shows. So right, no, and and I have no complaints when I've seen you. You always, you always hit the notes you're supposed to be, and it sounds live you know what i mean it sounds raw it sounds yeah. the way you know hardcore punk hardcore metalcore all that kind of stuff it sounds the way it's supposed to sound and i cool. always appreciate that now do you when you're when you're home in the studio do you continue a training regiment for that kind of stuff or do you get ready before you go on tour um i don't do as much when i'm home <laughs> i do however i do um i do these vocal covers that i yes. started doing uh toward the end of the pandemic and um i started doing that because well a it just helps with reach and everything but i'm like it does help me become a better vocalist it keeps my vocals like um you know it keeps my vocals like in tune Mm -hmm. and uh you know uh keeps the rust off i guess sure Uh, but yeah it's so that's one thing that I, i that i've really been doing a lot now um so I do. Yeah, I, I keep I keep consistently performing and um, working on on my vocals when I'm home. Yeah, you uh, I actually that was that was a question that I was going to get to as well, which which works very well right now, because I also want to yeah. mention besides doing the TikTok and, and the vocal covers, you also did two covers that you actually put out officially. You did, you know, Deftones and you did Comeback. Yep. So, yep. What made you decide on those two compared to some of your other covers? Um, well, I, so, you know, there's different approaches, like when it comes to bands doing uh, covers, mm-hmm. they, they can go this strategic route of like, oh, we're going to cover a pop song because, you know, it's totally different genre. And it's like, if it's popular in the pop world, then we can like kind of cross uh, cross genres or whatever. Sure. Um, but I, for me, I like, I like to do covers of bands that have been really like influential to me. Uh, and Deftones, um, has been a band that is forever going to be timeless. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they were one of the very first bands that I got into when I was younger. Um, and that I used to scream along to. Yeah. Um, even that song that we did, they're like that you know that song uh, specifically was one that i used to scream along to a lot Mm -hmm. um and then comeback kid is you know same way yeah um just different you know it was a band that i listened to a lot growing up 
I remember I remember going to shows when I was like 14, just started going to like metalcore shows and stuff. And like that was the buffer music in between bands was, you know, Comeback Kid. Ah. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I just wanted to pay, I guess, tribute or not even tribute because they're still uh, going, you know, <laughs> so, so. Uh, which is amazing. You know, both bands are still going, which I find that right. like remarkable. Oh, you yeah. Know, the, band, the fact that not only are these bands have been around forever, but they're still putting out incredible music. Right. So that too, I find really inspiring. Yeah. Um, no, that, so. that definitely makes sense. Now, when you decide on a cover like that, like you could probably do them as much as you wanted to. So do you, do you put a thought into that of like, do you want to release an official cover every year, that kind of thing? Or is it just whenever you really feel like, Hey, I want to put my time and my energy into something like this. Let me go do that. Yeah. I don't know when we did. Um, so I'd, like probably since the second or third EP, I wanted to put out some kind of cover, and I don't remember. Let's see, we put that we put the Death Tongues cover out. I think after I think it was twenty twenty one. The the after Wait, yes, I right. think was when that came out, yeah. and it went over really really well. Um, and it's actually still sitting on some uh big playlist on Spotify. Oh, yeah, and it's just yeah. been collecting views, you know. So that's been doing really well for us. Um, so then I was like, oh, okay, that worked out really well. So I guess maybe we'll do it again. You know, the next year we did kind of the same strategy where we put out the EP and then like six months later we put out the cover Right. and it's just kind of like, you know, a, a strategy to like, you really have to stay in front of people, uh, for them to remember you. Right. <laughs> like right. you have to, yeah, it's like, if you put out a record, a full length record and two years later, people are like, Oh, I wonder if that band's still around, you know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's crazy how fast you can lose, um, buzz. And oh, so sure. I think just always staying, staying in front of people and staying in people's ears. Like, I think that's really important mm-hmm. if you want to be like successful in the heavy, right. uh, industry. So that is just something that, um, that I've thought about doing and that uh like i've added to i guess our marketing strategy and you know and it's just fun i i do really i really enjoy doing covers right and you know tiktok and like you know that's a big thing right now is doing is doing covers so it just seems to go over well and whether i do um i don't know i haven't really thought about it too much yet if we're going to do another one okay. um following this ep yet or not um since I am going straight into writing mode again, I'm not sure if we'll just like in six months, we'll come out with another single or if I'll do it, um, a cover. I haven't really decided yet. Okay. Yeah. Hey, we'll leave everyone in suspense. <laughs> I yeah. totally get it. I totally get it. Well, that, that also leads to, you know, talking about tongue tied, you know, the EP that just came out in March. So yep. you kind of took a break in between, the last EP, The Body, because you had in 2020, and maybe this was more due to the pandemic, but you had put out two EPs. So you had put out Prettiest of Things and then also Waste at the same time. Right. So is the reason for putting out the EPs and not doing a full length, let's say, is that just based on what you were saying there is just keeping the name and the sound of the band out there so that people remember instead of going away for two years, making a full length and then coming back. Is that why you do it? Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. Um, there's a, you know, there's a couple of reasons why I do the EP thing is, um, I mean, that's one thing I like to put out music as frequently as possible, as long as, you know, it works out 
Um, the one thing that we run into is, uh, you know, being on a label is they don't like to put out, you know, records too close to each other, right. um, stuff like that. Cause they don't want anybody to get trampled over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of ended up in us putting out, um, you know, those two records in within the same year. So we put them out six months apart. Um, but so that way they are connected and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and, you know, also just like, I like to write. Um, you know, five, instead of writing, like, usually when I'm writing a record, I'll write 10 songs and pick the five best. Ah, Um, yeah. And that way that, you know, I could put out like all 10 songs in a record, but I just don't think it would be quite as good a quality as if, you know, if we just pick the five best songs, I'm not trying to do like five, five, five good songs and five fillers. (laughs) Um, so that's another part of it, you know, it's like we get to, you know, we can really pick quality over quantity. Um, and then, yeah, I I don't know. Also just like people's attention spans are shorter. Right. Um, even my own, I, it's hard for me to listen to, uh, you know, a full length record of a band and not like switch halfway through Ah. the record or switch, switch somebody else. So, so I don't know. That's part of it too, I guess. So there's a lot of, a lot of different things. And I also kind of saw the industry like going that direction where people are releasing more often and, you know. Right. releasing EPs and singles and stuff like that. So there's a lot of a lot of different things that, you know, all kind of like pointed toward wanting to do EPs. Sure. That completely makes sense. But I got to ask, I hear you say we a lot when you're talking, <laughs> but it, who is who is I'm assuming it's you making the decisions. It's me and, on, my, right. me and my cat. I talk to my cat. I run everything by my cat. I'm like, "All right, Ashi. All right, here's what I got, Ashi. I think this is what we should do." Gotcha. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just like, that's just how it, no, how no, it I, is. I, I don't know. Like it, <laughs> I got a turd in my pocket. No, I, I, I totally get it. That's what I was just laughing about. I, I, but I think that is, I think that's really very interesting and very cool that you're able to. So, you know, originally starting as the writer of the band and now really doing a lot of the instrumentation yourself as well. So what has that, I mean, I know you've done it before, but what has that transition been like to really do all of that yourself and then kind of piecemeal it out? Yeah. Um, I guess I, even like when I had members, like I still wrote like 90% of the stuff. Ah, okay. Um, but in the studio we would have like members change up things here and there. But, um, you know, with this last record, I, I decided to go and work with, uh, Ryan Latrue. I don't know if you're familiar. He used yeah. to be a guitar player of for today, but, yeah, um, for sure. yeah. So, you know, when you write this, you know, when you're writing records by yourselves, for that long you do get to the point where you kind of like maybe get stuck in like in a zone of like writing the same thing over and over again or like not knowing like not being able to ask like hey do you do you like this better or is this better sure stuff like that so um with this record i was like you know i don't know if i really know exactly the direction i want to go with with this specific ep i've like kind of done all the things that i've wanted to do with this band so far as far as writing ah. and so i you know decided to work with somebody else so that you know really it's just nice to be like hey do you like this better do you like this better right um right. but also like have somebody like from an objective point of view um you know that i can like bring the songs to and he can you know kind of trim the fat and tell me what's what's better what's not as good and stuff like that 
Yeah, you've had in the in the past, you've had a couple of features. You know, you've had Impending Doom, you've had Era, you yep. know, on, yep. on a couple of songs before. Did you have the type of relationship with them where you could have those kind of conversations? Or was it more bring them in on a part you knew you wanted? Something like that. Yeah, so uh, I had J- uh, JT, yep, yep. like... He he kind of came across like us when we were younger and he uh he started pushing us pretty heavily. Right. Um which was super cool. And t- so through that like our online relationship, we got to know each other a little bit and I was like so doing the first feature I was like, "Yo, I want like somebody that's been like supporting us, mm-hmm. you know, and that like actually likes our music to do a feature." Not to mention that JT is a super awesome oh, yeah. uh vocalist. Right. So yeah, that was that was the reason behind JT. And then uh, with um, with Brooke, he like I had always I've always looked up to him as a vocalist. I think he's an incredible vocalist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always liked listening to Impending Noom. We played with them down in uh, in Dallas or no Austin. I yes. Think, for yeah. um, some like don't mess with uh, Texas yes. Fest or something like <laughs> yes. that. Yes, I um, I wasn't yeah. here yet. I actually live in Austin now. I wasn't here, oh, okay, yeah. but I, I saw that that was happening. I was like, ah, oh, damn, I wish I was there. So yeah, I know exactly what yeah, you're talking it about. Was, yeah, yeah, that was incredible. But um, anyways, through that, I uh, got to know him a little bit. And then uh, I hit him up online to be, just see if he was interested or what his rates were and everything. Yeah. And um, and then, yeah, he hit me back and said that he'd be down to do it. So um, that was an honor to have him a part of you know that track. Um, That's very so, cool. Yeah. I see the the reason why I bring it up is that there's another band that I've had on the show a couple of times. They're called um what a great time to forget the name. Uh, <laughs> uh so it's a uh, Boy Becomes Hero. That's it. Oh yeah. Smaller smaller band, but it's Andrew Brittingham. Yep. See, I remember that name, yeah. but he does he does everything. And he does sure. all the instruments, he does the uh well, he doesn't do the vocals except for the screaming. And then he brings Garrett Rapp in. And he does the actual singing vocals and I think maybe some of the screaming. Sure. And then they get some uh, feature people to come in as well. So I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. I know this is a lot different than that. But I wasn't sure if some way of writing that or that way would be something you would ever want to do of kind of have someone else come in and do dual vocals or something where you were the permanent writer. But then you were right. kind of going back and forth like that. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be opposed to something like that. Um, I'm always like open for uh, like collaboration and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that you can kind of get some really cool results when you bring in like you know some great minds that think differently and and all that. So yeah, yeah you're just in a. It's always like I am completely impressed by what you are able to accomplish. Like, well, I would say in one way you inspire people to be like, wow, that person's so talented to not only be able to songwrite, but also put together all these different instruments and basically create a band yourself. I think, first of all, that's very <laughs> that's very inspiring. Uh, but then also the ability to be able to then take that and form it into something that you want. Mm-hmm. I think that's just, it, it's just something, it's something to look up to that, people cool. can at this time do it yeah it's it's just one of those things i i really appreciate what you're able to do with that but then i can see it from your angle there comes that time where you've done so much by yourself that you're also looking for that collaboration 
you know, hence mm-hmm. what you did with Tongue Tied, being able to bounce ideas off of each other. I mean, but that's what bands do on a regular basis. It's right. got to be a little bit difficult, but if that's what you know to for be, sure. like if that's how you know how to do things, I would assume it's not too difficult for you. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so take me through, take me through a little bit. Of time. I don't even know where I was going with that. So don't, don't worry. <laughs> You're good. Go ahead. <laughs> take me through Tongue Tied because I was really impressed with this EP. I think it, it hit me. It hit me a little bit different than your past releases. And maybe that is, you know, based on working with kind of a producer, but Mm -hmm. I appreciated a lot of the commentary, what you were doing with your lyrics, the tempo, the pacing, you know, that intro to tongue tie, the the actual, you know, the song, the self-titled part of that, that intro is so different than anything you've done before. So how did you kind of set your mind to this is how you were going to write this, uh, this EP? Sure. I mean, I feel like for me, the name of the game, like anytime I'm coming into a new uh, record is, all right, I have to do some, I have to do some stuff that I haven't done in the past. I need to be introducing some new elements so that we're not just writing. So I'm not just writing the exact same EP over and over again, because nobody wants to like hear, hear, you know, uh, one of our previous EPs again. Sure. Um, So that's like part of it, you know, and is just like, okay, let's, Let's uh, see what we can write that is like something that we've never done in the past. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, one of the reasons like where I'm going to write a clean intro to a song, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Sure. So that's definitely a big mindset. Um, and then secondly, I don't know. I, I feel like this. Uh, so in every other EP that I've done, I feel like I've had a really good like plan and idea of where I wanted to go mm-hmm. um, and like the direction and like with writing all that stuff. I felt like with this one, I didn't really quite have as much of a direction as um, previous oh. EPs. So, okay. yeah, so that that was it. the only the only direction that I knew that I had was that I wanted to call it tongue tied and use that like that metaphor, right. you know, as the, like the lyrical topic. Um, so that was, besides that, I just started writing and then, and then, you know, I came up with like uh, 10 different songs and then I brought those 10 songs to Ryan and I was like, well, here's the songs that I got. Let's, you know, kind of go through this and see what, you know, what's going to stick out as, as being the, you know, the keepers. And one thing that he really pushed for is like, all right, we need to have each song that can stand alone as in its own creation and not necessarily be like tied in with the others as far as like, you know, it sounds. So mm-hmm. we really tried to make each song completely different from the other. That's right. why, yeah. you know, tongue tied is, is very upbeat and aggressive. Kind of like, that's like kind of like an every time I die song. And sure. then, you know, we have overgrown, which is more like a knock blue song. And yeah. then, uh, same blood is more like our hardcore, like uh, comeback kid, you know. Oh sure, yeah. Song and then, yep, and then uh, what other? Over the edge. Forgot what other song. Over the edge. That's like that's like uh, that song is like a little more of like a broad, uh, broad net. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it has a the most like I don't want to call it. Um, I don't know like what, a, what's the right. Are right, you talking about like um 
what do you get like a mainstream feel like a, a yeah, yeah 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 like it's it's like our ghost inside song where it's, oh, it's sure. not it yeah. has the the least amount of weirdness <laughs> like <laughs> like chaos uh, and stuff yeah yeah ro- what ryan calls my music he says that i write music for crazy people he <laughs> says i write crazy people music. <laughs> sure <laughs> he's like so we're that was one thing with this record he's like we're gonna reel that in we're gonna package it a little not a little neater so it's still gonna be earth ground still gonna have the dissonance and the off time and craziness but we're gonna package a little nicer uh so that we can cast uh, a broader net sure but yeah so that song is like the epitome of that it's like we ended up he ended up like taking uh that song and completely rearranging it and the chorus ended up what i wrote as going to be the bridge he's like nope that's going to be our chorus ah, now. okay um yeah so wow. anyways and then um uh and then what's the last song discord and uh, symphony yes, that's kind of symphony. like our like just stupid heavy acacia string kind of song sure um so yeah so we that was one main thing that we really wanted to happen was we want you know, each song to have a completely di- different feel mm-hmm. from the rest. I mean, maybe the, the average listener might be like, nah, it all sounds the same to me. But <laughs> at least for me, I, f- I can hear like there's a larger difference. Oh, between, for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. the right, the writing styles and stuff. Yeah. Um, totally agree with that. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's why it hit me differently is because I was so used to it's like you said, it's not every EP the same for sure, but there are yeah. a lot of elements to it that are the same, you know? So when yeah. you're going through the EPs, you hear those parts that you're like, oh yeah, this is Earth Groans. Like, even though you might, right. you know, sound like some other bands like you were just mentioning, it's still, you're like, oh yeah, that's Earth Groans. I can see what this EP is doing. Front to back, I, I get this. And then this EP was just, yeah, each track just had some extra flavor to it whatever that mm-hmm. was to make it stand out just worked really well for it nice so yeah i i cool. definitely Thank you. yeah absolutely no you guys did a did a really great job on that so i wanted to ask i know a lot of people probably know the story of tongue-tied if they're in the scene you know if they've seen you know any of the press announcements or you know any time that tongue-tied the actual song went out for people to hear and I, I don't want to be offensive with this because I, I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't oh. know that that was a real thing. I was so used to, yep. and I, like I said, I hope this isn't offensive. I, I was so Not used to cartoons where like Bugs Bunny would pull out someone's comically large tongue and then tie right. it and say, hey, yeah. you're, you're tongue tied or something. So right. I didn't know a backstory like that. Would you mind taking people through? that part of the reason for the actual track and then the metaphor itself? Yeah, definitely. So the term tongue tied, it's a medical term or where it originally comes from um, is that it is a medical condition that when you're born, uh, the skin underneath your tongue, um, it comes all the way up to your, like your front teeth. Oh, okay. And so, yeah. So, and if you don't have that removed or altered, you would basically not be able to move your tongue correctly. Uh, and you would have an, an incredible speech impediment. Right, right. So I was, so I was born tongue-tied. Okay. And yeah, so and that's kind of, um, kind of been like an ongoing metaphor for me in my life, mm-hmm. where I don't always feel like I'm able to communicate with the people around me. I grew up in like a very uh, conservative, like farm family. Sure. 
um, which is nothing wrong with that, but I'm very different. I'm definitely the black sheep yeah, among gotcha. uh, my family and Same. stuff. And Understood. <laughs> not, o- not only in, yeah, not only in my family, but you know, where I went to school and all, all that stuff. So I, it was always really hard for me to communicate. I felt like with the community that I was a part of. But um, but just uh, before we go on, not not physically though, just based right. on this is the metaphor of it. So, but you got yes. you got the tongue tied part taken care of before it actually affected right. anything vocally, right? Okay. Yes, gotcha. correct. Yeah. So when I was born, like right away, they were like, "Oh, he's tongue tied." So then they uh, like went in with the scissors, and I guess it's really a brutal thing. It's like yeah, there's it not an easy way to do it, right? Other than just taking the scissors and start snipping away. That's wow. literally what it was um but yeah so yeah i i had the the procedure done right away when i was born okay um but yeah so meta metaphorically in my life you know i you know it was harder for me to communicate with the the community around me and stuff so that's kind of like where um you know where music is where i i kind of alter like ultimately kind of found my voice where i'm able to speak exactly what's like what's in my heart and that's given right. me a like a new voice right okay yeah that that completely makes sense and i kind of want to work i want to work something in that i remember from especially when you're talking about finding your voice right sure i think it was a press it might have been a press release from solid state or it might have been something that came out right when you guys signed at some point where we you talk about religion right a lot of a lot of your right. albums have something to do with religion or it's all about religion, depending on what EP it is or what the message yep. ends up being. And I remember, I, I don't want to butcher the quote, but I think it was something where you had said, you want to be a ministry first and a band second. Do yeah. I have that right? Yeah, that's okay. correct. All right. Now, do you still, when you're talking about finding your voice and everything, do you find that still to be true? Or has that kind of, has that evolved or changed or modified as you've gone on? I would say, like, I think when, when we started as the band, like, we were all believers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was, like, the band's, like, goal. But as, like, I've had different members come in and out, um, there are times where I'm the only believer in the band. So, for me, uh, uh, like, as a believer and, like, uh, an artist. Yes. I would say that that is my, like, I want this to be, yeah, like a ministry first. Sure. And like, I want that to be the first, first thing about, you know, earth groans okay. is that the message there, you know, the message there. Um, but at the same time, like it's hard to, you can't push that on people that you have playing for you. Sure. So for me, for me as the creator of earth groans and the message that I'm pushing, mm-hmm. then, the answer is yes. Yeah. Okay. I I can tell you I I've had I've had philosophical religious discussions on the show. Obviously, I've told you about bands that I would consider to be religious bands on the show many a time. So we've had mm-hmm. we've had those types of discussions before. I can tell you for sure I I'm not personally a believer. So when yeah. I read that originally, I was like, "Oh, I wonder if this music is still going to be for me because Sure. I, I don't often go into things saying like, oh, this is going to change my mind on something or, oh, this is going to make me right. a believer, that kind of thing. And I would say yeah. that no one necessarily has had that type of effect on me. But what I like about your music is that a lot of times you can still relate what you're singing about 
to other things yeah. in life. But, I mean, and maybe yeah. maybe that's why I might maybe, you know, after going through all of your EPs to now with Tongue Tied, maybe I relate more to Tongue Tied because it seems like even though I know what the message is and I know that it circles around to God and and the the belief that with what God has given you, you can you can take that and and use your your gifts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot of it might not actually be technically or sorry still about God, but can be applied to other things? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say like uh, probably seventy five percent of our music that we've written over the years, like a lot of the message isn't like, oh, this is a straight worship song. This song is directly about God. Most of it's stuff, most of the stuff that I write about is stuff that I've gone through or that I've dealt with Mm -hmm. or like, you know, encouraging stuff, whatever it might be. Like, yeah, ultimately I want to point people toward God and everything, but I want people just to be able to take it and like be inspired or, you know, find hope through our music or something like that. I'm not like, it's not like I'm trying to like preach to people through our music and sure. stuff. Like I believe that God can use like our message. Um, you know, you know, even like the songs that aren't about like directly about, you know, Christianity or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still think that God can use that message to uplift somebody oh, that sure. day that yeah. they need it. Yeah. Well, look, one of the, one of the things I always, you know, like I said, I've had Steve on the show from wolves at the gate multiple times. And I just saw them recently when they were down here in Austin, they were opening. Oh, they were opening for Rain City Drive, I think, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And I forgot that Steve does that that part where he just kind of talks about religion for a little bit. Yeah. Where, yeah, it's just like kind of outside of the music. And Mm -hmm. I really like the way he talks about it because he talks about not being preachy and not trying to right. convert but what he's doing is for God and what their message is is for God it's 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 to put that out there and talk about the good parts of religion and not the parts that have been kind of bastardized through you know yeah politics and and government and all you know all the different things that can that can kind of sour people's view on religion so Definitely. yeah i've yep. always i've always liked that kind of thing but one of the things that that really got me about tongue tied was, and it's funny, it's a more quote unquote commercial or more mainstream song, which is not normally the one that I, that I relate to the most, but over the edge with the basically not allowing your passion to turn poisonous or not allowing poison to, to disrupt what you're doing. You don't want your passions to become work things like that. And I am very, very guilty of that in my life (laughs) where I just, I let things consume me. And then I start like right now with the podcast, I love this conversation that I'm having with you. I can't wait for people to hear it, but I hate marketing it. I hate hate, like, you know, going through everything. I, I really dislike that part. And I think for a while there with doing this for so long, I really let a lot of poisonous aspects hurt the way that I was feeling about it. And I I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. And I'm sure you even relate to that many times with music. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wrote the song was because uh, I get really fed up with, with the industry from time to time, because it's, it's a really music industry is really hard. And I like, you know, I dump, I dump like, 
all, like all my time and energy into you know making music and mm-hmm. and like I found I you know I got to the point where I was just getting like mad when I was writing music and I was just getting mad about everything that like I was trying to do and I had to take a step back and be like yo I'm allowing like my passion to turn into poison like this is gonna kill me if I keep going down this path that I'm doing that like this mental state that I'm in right now, Mm -hmm. this will actually kill me if I like allow it. So that's the whole point is like taking a step back and going back to the reason that I create music. You know, it's a, it's a super hard industry. If Mm -hmm. it works, it's going to work. And if it's not going to work, I can't let it kill me. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, you put it perfectly in the song. So I hope, I hope people not only listen to the Holy P, but if you need something to listen to right away, I'd recommend over the edge because yeah, I think that speaks to a lot of people because I think a lot of people allow that to happen. I mean, whether it's your job, whether it's just your passion itself, there are just so many outside factors that can poison what you do. And why would you want something that you love to end up hurting you? Why would you want to die yeah. because that kind of thing has hurt you so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. Well, for the... Man, I've been saying I totally get it a lot. I need to get a new crutch. I need to get a new crutch, I think. I'll, I'll work on that for, for future episodes. But when, when we talk about like uh, the religious aspect... Uh, the religious <laughs> aspect, there we go, of, of, the band, yep. of the band itself. Obviously, being with Solid State, there are lots of bands on the roster that you could consider Christian or religious or however you want to put it. But what would you say right now, from your perspective, from looking at the industry, what would you say is the, like the status of Christian hardcore, Christian metal, religious music in the scene? Do you have a do you have a perspective on that from being like right in the inside? Um, well, I'll say this: Jesus Jesus doesn't sell very well, ah. so I think that it is kind of shunned uh, quite a bit. Um, I feel like I'm not saying like that's the reason like why we're not a big band, but I think that's definitely it has been some sort of a hindrance ah, on okay. like um, maybe how far we've made it in, in the industry is the fact that we are a Christian band or mm-hmm. I'm a Christian and I'm the one writing. Sure. So I don't know. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of things that I could probably point fingers at on that, on that issue. But, um, you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think that that's probably, uh, you know, a real thing. I know that I had a conversation with, um, one band that their manager at the time, uh, had said, Hey, uh, I know that you guys are like Christians and all, but can we like do away with that? Oh, because yeah. Like, can we get rid of, can we, can we make you guys not a Christian band because it doesn't sell as well? Wow. You know? Okay. And which I find just really, really weird. Yeah, it um, is. To be honest. Sorry, I'm laughing because I just, I, I, I mean, if you, if you put yourself as, as quote unquote devil's advocate, I guess, and you're like, well, I, Yes, I could see why a manager would want to do something like that. But then even to bring yeah. it up, especially with something as important to as religion to somebody, it seems right. very strange to basically say, hey, can you sell out? Like, can you basically sell, yeah. sell your soul so that you can make some more money? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why don't, how about you guys just write about music or about like matters that are write about things that don't even matter instead of actually having like meaning right. to your song, you know? Wow. Like I just, I find that really weird, but yeah. like for me, it's like, I would, 
I would tour with anybody, like unless they're like murder, you know, sacrificing babies on stage. Like I'm going to be, I'm down with to go out on tour with so no anybody, no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) Like I mean, for me, it doesn't matter. Like that shouldn't really necessarily matter. Like as far as like how far somebody can go in the music industry, right? So right. I don't know. I, I would say it's definitely looked down upon. I don't know. I mean, like there's bands like Silent Planet that oh, yeah. are absolutely k- killing it. Um, and band like Fit for a King. I know that Silent Planet, I think Garrett, um, I think only a few of the members are, are believers. Um, but, and same with like, I don't know about Fit for a King, but, um, yeah, there's some bands that are doing it and they're doing really well, yeah. you know? So I don't know. Well, do you see, I mean, and this is, this is possibly far fetched, but we've seen a lot of, a lot of strange things happen in the music industry and even in entertainment in general, things seem to be going in a cyclical manner. So we've got a lot of nostalgia, right? That's like the biggest mm-hmm. thing and has been for, for a few years now when it comes to movies, TV, I think music as well. Could you see a resurgence of that late 90s, early 2000s, you know, Christian hardcore, that type of thing coming back where where people would be as into it as they were before yeah maybe um i just don't know if that's like how people actually are you know i Uh, i mean i i don't don't even necessarily like the term of like the christian hardcore band stuff because it seems really weird to me to like no it's fine to say because like it that's just how it is but because people have to categorize but it just seems weird to me like to market someone like as a jesus band you know Uh, what i mean sure Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would hate, like, like I would hate to market myself as like, like a Christian band just for the sake of getting Christian to listen to us or like to gain traction. Because that to me is like, kind of like, it would be the same as using like the the Lord's name in vain. Like, I'm going to use Jesus's name so that I can sell more tickets. Right. Well, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. But wasn't that done? Well, that's technically, I would think it was, it's still being done by a lot of different music genres right now, but that, I think that was definitely done in our scene as well as trying to push a lot of bands at the time as, yeah, yeah, we're like kind of trying to get, Hey, you know, we're not, we're not like everyone else. Christians come, you know, come worship with us. Now they're playing music basically. And that's how you got people to come out to show. So yeah, I, I totally get that. That is a. That is a strange way to market yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like to answer your question, I guess I don't know if I see that like happening. I guess it it will all just come down to like if there's a resurgence in believers Mm -hmm. that also listen to heavy music. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. All right, man. No, I, I totally, once again, I totally get that. But let's kind of transition. We're getting close to that hour mark or so. And people tend to, you know, lose their, lose their attention spans by around this time. So I want to check on, I know you're writing right now. You're back in the studio working on other people's work, working on more earth groans. What would you say is your projected ideas of what you'd like to do for 2023? Um, well, we do have, uh, some tours coming up, or I should say a tour. We have a tour coming up in May. We just got home from tour, but we have another, uh, another tour coming up in May. Nice. It's not yet announced, so I don't want to yeah, um, give too much information away on that yet. Okay. Um, but that will be, uh, should be announced in the next upcoming couple weeks. Um, okay. 
We're going to be launching some vinyl for the new EP oh, also, nice. okay. uh, which we're, yeah, so we're waiting on that right now. Um, but that's always exciting, I guess, for me, like to put stuff on vinyl and stuff. But yeah, but- um, we got some, we got a few festivals that we're going to be playing, but overall we just really want to try and get out there and play as many shows as possible. So um, we're going to be working hard on getting more t- tours put together. Very nice. Now, do you think writing wise, do you see yourself possibly releasing something else this year? Or do you think this is more of a uh, next year type thing? That's a good question. Um, so we, uh, with this EP, we concluded our contract with Solid State. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. So really, it's just going to depend on what we end up deciding to do next. Um, okay. You know, if we're going to try and like resign or try something else, try okay. and go independent or... I don't know. So that's a big, a big question right now. Um, but uh, so there is a chance that we could have, you know, some more music out this later this year. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, uh, totally not sure what's going to happen. So. Very interesting. All right. Well, everyone can mm-hmm. stay tuned for that. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see what you choose, because right now, you know, if you find the right label, things normally work out. But then there are so many bands taking the independent route. And yeah. There's so much freedom which comes, you know, that can come with that. So if you do it right, you can make it really work for you. So that'll be very interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, uh, the, you know, 10 years ago, like you had to have a, a record label right. to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming today with the amount of resources that are out there, um, I think there's less and less need for um, a label. Right. So it's really just going to come down to how well you pair with the label and if things click or not. Right. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So Absolutely. Well, look, I hope that people that are listening, not only do they check out Tongue Tied, but then all the rest of your discography and keep their ears peeled the same way I will for this new tour that's going to be in May. I hope I'm going to cross my fingers that you're coming to Austin. That'll be at least I'll say that for now. But uh, I hope. I hope that people get to check you guys out live. I really enjoyed it the last time I got to. So I will have links in the description of the episode so that everybody can go ahead and follow you on every single social media as well as TikTok to be able to see your vocal covers so that they can, you know, right. get that vinyl when it when it comes out so they can keep up to date with all the tours and everything. But until then, what is the best way for people to support you? Um, merch is the name of the game, man. Like that's really the only place that we actually make any money at all. Um, cause, uh, streaming, streaming of course is great. Um, because those numbers help Mm -hmm. when we're trying to like get tours. Right. Um, but we don't, we don't make any money off of streaming. Um, so merch, we have a, just a spot, uh, Shopify account. Mm -hmm. Um, that it's just earthgrowns.myshopify.com. We have a, a website that they can uh, access that. Yep. Um, it's just earthgrownsmusic.com. Or else you can buy like merch directly from our Instagram account. Uh, we is. have our Shopify linked on there as well. So, or you can just Google Earthgrowns merch and I'm sure Shopify should pop up. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we're going to be launching uh, a whole line of tongue tied merch. Nice. Uh, coming up shortly. I uh, don't have the the date sure. on that when it'll be ready yet. We just sent it off for printing, so we will have a whole line of uh, some new merch, including uh, vinyl. Very so nice. Yeah, you can keep keep your eyes on that. Will do. And I, like I said, I will go ahead and I will put links on the description of the episode so that 
it's easy for people to find those as well. So I think that should work out well. Well, man, I am looking forward to getting my vinyl because I like to do that for anyone who's been on the show. So I will definitely be looking out for that. But man, I really enjoy this conversation. I, I kind of figured that, you know, no matter how awkward you said you might be, that you would be good <laughs> at having these conversations. You're a very interesting guy. I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this. I'm a fan of your music. So I am looking forward to seeing you live again. Hopefully we can do another talk, maybe in person. We can go over yeah. a lot of the scene things, you know, just everything instead of just the intro stuff. So I, I sure. definitely appreciate your time and I wish you all the best, man. So thank you once again. Dude, thank you. This has been a great, you're a great interviewer. So thanks for having me again. Thank you.